Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Winnie. And this is the Gen Asian Podcast. Get comfortable and listen in as we explore the unique identity and experiences of Asian Canadian millennials. Hey, Winnie, how's it been going? Um, it's been going okay. It's like month three of quarantine, I think. So how has quarantine life been? Have you learned any new skills or picked up any new hobbies? Probably just like gotten back into some old hobbies that I've been interested in. So like running, trying to build my own like daily yoga practice. I usually go to studios. It's been interesting trying to like try online classes and I realized that I actually quite like them. Any, yeah, any particular classes you've liked? I don't want to plug anyone, but I am going to plug Aloe Moves. I really like their classes, actually. They have like a lot of um, different instructors and there's different lengths. Um, so it's been really good. Cool. Um, I have also been doing a lot of yoga, been trying to learn a lot of new things. I don't know. I feel like I just had a lot of motivation in the beginning of the pandemic because I realized I had all this time to myself now. And so I was like trying to like do all these courses and learn like Spanish and Mandarin and Duolingo. Like I was doing all these things and now I've like really petered off. Oh, and I like really wanted to pick up piano again, but not like classical piano like I did like as a kid, but more like, I don't know, like pop song piano and like being able to like play piano and sing at the same time. Wow, you're so talented. I'm like a bad Asian. Like I don't, haven't taken any like um, piano lessons or like music lessons. Wow, really? Wait, your parents just never put you in those lessons? No, they were just kind of like, you're not a musical like child. Wow, like not even like tried it? Like how how do you even know if you have a musical child until they try it? I actually like secretly wanted to learn piano as a Mm -hmm. child, but like I guess just never brought it up. I was always a little bit jealous of all the kids that could like play piano. And I know everyone complains about like playing piano but I'm the I'm the Asian girl that doesn't know how so <laughs> I feel like a little bit left out that's so funny because I think I'm the opposite both me and my brother were both put in like piano and violin lessons at, at a really young age like I started piano I think when I was four and violin when I was three and I did both of them probably until I was 16 or so so I like oh my god it's kind of crazy that's like I time. yeah and I think about like how <laughs> I think about how much money my parents spent on all those lessons because those lessons are not cheap by any means but I did it probably like both lessons once a week for both me and my brother for like 13 years of our lives 13 years that's insane yeah it's pretty insane I don't know I still did RCM Royal Conservatory of Music or whatever (laughs) like they have all these different grades and I think you can get to grade 10 and then after that it's like ARCT which I can't even remember what it stands for yeah, I remember like, I guess my friends would be like, oh yeah, like I have to like practice for my ARCT exam, blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, holy shit, like what is going on? Like, yeah, it's pretty intense. Other, like, because like, like you like, get hard. graded by a judge, if you want to call it that. Like obviously you can fail and then you just have to do the exam the whole, over again. So it's a lot of pressure riding on the line for like, a 30 minute performance, basically. Mm-hmm. That seems like a lot of pressure as a, as a child to be put under. Like if you weren't, if you didn't want to do it, if you were put in at four, I'm like, I'm, I'm assuming you didn't choose to say like, I want to play piano. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you were doing the lessons growing up? I like, I just did it because I was like, oh, I have to. And then I think after, I can't remember if it was like 14 or 15, my parents gave me the choice. And I think I quit pretty quickly after that. 
But yeah, I think back on all the extracurriculars I was put in, I like did piano, I did violin, I did Chinese school on Saturdays, but then I did another oh, Mandarin God. class on like a weekday with a private teacher. Um, what? That's yeah. double Chinese? You're like intense. Yeah, no, and then I had gymnastics like three or four times a week, and then I had swimming lessons. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think back and I was... It was a very intense schedule and I actually have one of these like notes that I wrote as a kid and it was like my to-do list and it was practice piano, practice violin, don't play. Like like, as a kid, I internalized like, oh, I need to get my shit done. Like I can't, playing is not for me or whatever because I have all these things to do. My parents literally tried to put me into all these things to make sure that I had as well-rounded of a life as I could or like as well-rounded of like skills as I could. And like I appreciate it in retrospect, but I remember it being a lot. But I think back and it was a lot for them too because they're driving me to places every day. And it's not just me, right? Like there's two of us. It's me and my brother. So it's like... (laughs) Yeah, it's like they had eight hours of work and then they would come home, like have to feed us and then have to drive us to all these lessons and pay for them. Like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. Like, I'm so appreciative of it now, but like obviously when I was a teen and I did not think about their perspective at all. But yeah, I remember the like Hymn of the Tiger Mom or something like that by Amy Chua. I don't know if you heard about that book. I can't remember if that's the exact name. But yeah. What is that? So it was this... I think she's some kind of professor in the States at an Ivy League school, but basically she wrote about being a tiger parent. I don't know. I think like from like North American standards, it's like borderline abusive if you think about like Mm. her way of parenting. But she talks about how it's good because I think she has two daughters and they're both in Ivy League schools doing like very like quote unquote impressive things. It sounds like I maybe had tiger parents growing up, but I really didn't. Like my parents are actually very, very chill. They just threw me into a lot of extracurriculars. Wait, so what does it mean to be a tiger parent? Like, is it to get them into doing a lot of things or is it like the pressure? I think it's more the pressure. The pressure on the children yeah, the to, pre- succeed? to succeed. I don't know. There are these memes about like how you get an A and that your parents like, why didn't you get an A plus? Or like you get 99% on a test and they're like, what about the last 1%? Oh, but my parents totally do. Oh, that. really? Are they tiger parents? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's like that mentality, but... Yeah, I don't know. You don't. So you don't think your parents were tiger parents? I don't know if I actually know like the definition of tiger parents. Like I know kind of colloquially what it means. Like you have very strict parents that are kind of controlling over your life. Mm-hmm. And I do know like a few people from my childhood who had extremely strict Asian parents. And it seems like once they went to university, they just went off the rails like crazy Mm. because it was like the first time they weren't living under their parents' household and they were able to do whatever they wanted. And it just felt like they took the like partying and drinking and like, yeah, doing stupid things way to the extreme because they didn't have any of that outlet in high school. I guess it's a not lack of choice is kind of the like reason why they they feel a bit re- like almost repressed. I'm actually reading on Wikipedia right now. <laughs> it says tiger parents is a form of strict or demanding parenting. Tiger parents push and pressure their children to ex- attain high levels of academic achievement or success in high status extracurriculars such as music using authoritarian parenting methods. So they actually do mention like music as a high status mm-hmm. extracurricular activity. Yeah, I mean, I wonder why music specifically. I don't know. 
yeah. Although it's also really funny. I've seen these memes on subtle Asian traits. Oh, like your parents make you like play piano for like 20 years of your life. And then you decide to do a degree in music. And then your parents get really mad for like choosing a useless quote unquote oh, yeah. degree. And you're like, what the hell? You like made me do this for my entire childhood. And then I like actually want to do it. And then you get mad at me for like considering it as a career, you know? Yeah. It's just funny. Um, I had friends also with the other extreme of parents where they get extremely spoiled. I don't know. Do do you Mm. feel like you were spoiled as a kid? I don't think I was spoiled just because like I feel like my mom had a lot on her hands. Like she wasn't a tiger parent because like I don't think she had the time to be a tiger parent. But maybe I also felt a bit of pressure from like all my peers. I kind of felt some of the pressures of like, oh, you need to succeed. You need to do well in school. Mm -hmm. But and they would always like oh, if you if I got like an A in a test or something, they would be like, oh, like, why didn't you get an A plus? And like, they said it in a joking, like lighthearted way. Yeah, but you but knew there was like, like a sense of serious actual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, underneath there. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I don't think my parents ever like pressured me about grades. It was definitely like a pressure I imposed on to myself. I went to an extremely competitive high school, very like high academic achieving. Like you, I also compared myself a lot to my peers. Like their pressure was very subtle. They didn't have to outright say like, you need to do well in school or Mm -hmm. get better marks. But by putting me into that school, like... Like, I don't know, it was, it's almost like a smarter way to do it because then I internalized it myself, oh my you know, like they didn't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, that's like next level. <laughs> I don't know, when your environment is kind of all like that, you become like that as well, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to like have to say it directly. So let me just like shape their environment so that they will like have internalized my values as a parent, you know? Asian parents are so <laughs> sneaky. But I don't even know if they were doing it my parents anyway i don't know if they were doing it if they like yeah yeah on purpose do you remember hearing about like jennifer pan i'm just thinking back on your whole thing on tiger parents oh my god yeah okay it's a that's a really (laughs) fucked up story i don't even know if i know the whole story Mm -hmm. but um from what i understand jennifer pan was a teen asian student in toronto but she had like crazy tiger parents that controlled her life she basically was fed up by it one day and decided to like murder her parents yeah and i think there was even like some debates on like oh was like was this like because she was like essentially abused as a child Mm -hmm. yeah that story is is really messed up just so like people who don't know about the story know she hires hitmen i guess to like kill her parents they do actually kill her mom but her dad survives they like piece together a bunch of clues to figure out that like Jennifer Pan did it. And I like I'm pretty sure she's in jail. She must be. That story was really interesting because it was like a glimpse into this like tiger parenting life. I'm not saying that she her parents deserved it by any means. Like I don't think that is true at oh. all. <laughs> she had some kind of domestic abuse at home and it felt like she just snapped. I like am a little bit empathetic on both sides and I feel terrible about it in some ways. Obviously, I don't think to solve the problem is to like kill your parents by hiring hitmen. No. Like that's no. Yeah, that's fucked up. I remember that this news thing came out while I was in high school and I just was shocked because like it felt like she could have been like one of my friends mm-hmm. almost. Like she was similar in our age. Yeah, and, she's only like, like a few went- years older than us. Yeah, and she went to a a high school like nearby where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so this could have been like one of my friends, you know, that did this and was like just felt all the pressures. 
obviously it's not right, but it's also just like, wow, this is what tiger parenting can like push your children to do. Mm-hmm. I think she also mm-hmm. had like other issues. I think she had like a boyfriend who was also like a bad influence. She lied to her parents about getting an internship at Sick Kids or something like that, or like a job at Sick mm-hmm. Kids. Like everything about this story is pretty fucked up. But if anyone is interested, you should definitely Google like Jennifer Pan. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like a long, long read, but it's yeah, really fascinating so dark <laughs> so dark well, that was it's like, a dark topic yeah like how do we pivot from this okay let's pivot <laughs> like, uh... let's pivot okay what do you think is like asian parent expectations of you growing up i'm just gonna make an example like when i think about a lot of my my asian friends a lot of them still live at home and in some ways i think that's very smart of them because they save so much money you know until mm-hmm. they're ready to buy a house like i know a lot of asian friends who do this as well but like i think it's a, just a bit more like mainstream and with like non-asians where they just like move out after high school and they just never move back in with their parents i don't know what are your thoughts on that i feel like a need to take care of my parents when they're older and like part of that could be like spending time with them um and like kind of living at home helps that like you kind of build a better relationship i live with my parents now but i moved out for university and then the it was like so jarring to come home you're you're living a different life and then you have to like re like i don't know join your lives back together with your parents and like i don't know i'm in a bit of a unique position because like my mom she's like not always at home she like sometimes lives in hong kong Mm -hmm. whenever she leaves like i feel like i'm like on my own again yeah but when she comes back there's this like weird reintegration period where we have to like learn to live with each other essentially yeah and like I don't know it's also very easy to like revert into your like childhood self when Mm -hmm. you're with your parents because they want to take care of you and like that's how they show your their love to you like they want to like cook you meals and cut you fruit and i don't know it almost feels disrespectful to say no yeah I have like two thoughts about this. I, well, I don't know if you were ever fed this idea. Like my parents anyway seem to think that like paying rent is a waste mm, of money. So yeah. it's like, wh- they're oh like, God, oh, yes. why would you move out? You can just live at home. Don't pay somebody else to live somewhere else. Like, yeah. why would you ever do that? Oh, and like for some reason, like Asian people really love real estate. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> yeah. I think um, they, they have like a whole safety mindset. Like putting money into real estate is like safe because it's a physical mm-hmm. asset. Yeah. Versus like... Like the stock market quote-unquote you know it's like you're putting your money into people's belief yeah versus like a physical thing um okay and a second thing like you kind of mentioned like living at home you kind of revert back to your childhood status do you feel like your parents respect you as an adult because i have seen interactions of my friends with their parents and sometimes their parents still treat them like they're literally 12 yeah they still have this idea (laughs) that like the parent is like the authority and the child needs to listen to them regardless yeah okay sorry so what are your thoughts on that okay with my mom it's different because i think she gets me a bit more and like we have a good relationship but with my dad (laughs) There's this thought of like, oh, like you can't disrespect your elders. I don't know. I guess he just like wants me to be like as if I was just an obedient child. Mm-hmm. But like obviously I'm not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Have you like ever reverted back into your like childhood self? Or do you find that you're not like that anymore when you go back home to visit? I don't know. I kind of mentioned earlier, but I have like pretty chill parents. I've noticed a really big change in them where they genuinely value my opinion. Like 
I've only noticed this recently. Every time I want to tell them about an opinion I have or like kind of educate them on something, they like just stop mid-sentence and they like let me talk. Hmm. It's a very foreign feeling. <laughs> I think that's really nice. Yeah, though. no, it is. It is really nice, but like it's a bit sad to see my other friends not get the same. I don't know if you want to call it like respect from their parents to be like treated as equals. Yeah, it's 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 a really big shift. And I it's not that they didn't care about our opinions before, but I think now they like truly like see us as an equal and if anything mm. they realize that they're like getting old and that we actually might know more than they do. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting actually that like they ask me about what I think about things and if I can teach them about things. Yeah, it's like a big role, role reversal. And in some ways it makes me a bit sad because it's that's a sign of my parents getting old. Yeah, I know. I always think about like how <laughs> I make it up as like the arc of life. Mm-hmm. So like as a child, you're vulnerable, don't know much about what's going mm-hmm. on. And then you're an adult and you like figure your stuff out. And then your parents become the child and yeah. you're the adult and you're like essentially like reparenting them. Yeah, I think we're like at an interesting point in our life where that inverse is starting to happen or like mm-hmm. maybe has happened. Like this is the transition period. Yeah, it's really sad and interesting to see the dynamic of our relationships change. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like my parents have asked me for help with technology. It's weird because I find myself getting very frustrated trying to teach them. Mm-hmm. I think that happens with like any like close relationship. Like I think you in some ways almost like take advantage of the close relationships you have and you feel like you can like take out your for example like I am way more prone to taking out my anger and frustration and annoyance towards my parents or like a significant other or like close friends but like someone from work like you're not going to do that you know and it's like well actually you that it should almost be like the opposite like you should really be like extra nice to like the people you really care about and that you're really close to you know versus like a co-worker but yeah I don't know I don't know why I mean it's because we're more close and more comfortable at sharing like our vulnerability and like our inner feelings right I think Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm more prone to like lash out at <laughs> my like parents. Yeah, and in some ways it's like that unconditional love that they give us. You know that if you lash out at them, they will still love you and your relationship doesn't change really in any way regardless of how moody you are that day. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's very telling. Like you're not insecure about the fact that your parents love you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were growing up, Michelle, did your parents ever help you with like homework and stuff? Yeah, no, I think they they definitely did. Well, not like English, obviously, because like they weren't that great at it. But they obviously tried to help whenever possible with math homework. And I think when I was like much younger, they definitely tried to help me with English. But like at a certain point, there's like a tipping point, you know, when you know Mm. more, when you know more English than they do, because it's like their second language versus your first language. Yeah. Why do you think that they could only help us with math? Like that's not the only time that I that's not the first time I've heard that before, you know? I think in our curriculum, that's like the most transferable skill from what they learned mm. growing up because it's you know it's like a universal language. Yeah, you know? like it's zero to ten. It's not based on any language. Like every language learns math kind of the same way. That's actually really interesting. Like I wonder if that's where that stereotype of like Asians are good at math comes from. Maybe we are good at math because it's the only subject that our parents could help and support us in. Whereas all the other subjects we had to learn on our own without any parental support. 
So it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we are good at math. It's because like our parents could actually help and like tutor us and help us with that homework. This is really interesting, but I actually learned, I think how to count and how to do math before going to like school. But because like my parents spoke to me in Chinese at home, mm-hmm. like they taught me in Chinese. So to this day, when I do multiplication tables, there's like a way of saying it in Chinese that is like smooth, basically, to help mm-hmm. you memorize. I have that drilled into my head. So whenever I do math, I do it in my head in Chinese mm-hmm. and convert it back to English before I say it out. It, it's, it's a bit funny because I, I know for a fact that I have a slight delay in my mental math skills. It's funny because like for consulting interviews, I remember like needing to try to improve my mental math skills. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, maybe I have to relearn my multiplication tables in, in English, English. Because <laughs> it's, it's causing a delay in my response. <laughs> I actually remember when I was younger, mm-hmm. and so my parents put me in um, Hong Kong summer camp, and I remember there was a, a couple of other students there. They actually asked me a really interesting question. They're like, do you think in Chinese or do you think in English? Oh, I've been asked that before too. It's so interesting. Yeah, and, and so what, did, what was your answer back then? I think I said I think mostly in English, but there were certain things that I thought in Chinese. And like, for instance, math is one of those things. Yeah. I guess multiplication tables are just so critical. It ends up being in Chinese because I have to in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like it just is too much to have to learn it a new way. Yeah. But like everything else I think about in English. Interesting. You know? Yeah, I think for me, the main thing I can think of that I think about in Chinese is food items, like Asian, like Chinese food <laughs> items. Because, for example, peidan saoyokjok. Oh my gosh, it's very I specific. Like, I don't know what that is in English. And it's like someone asked me about kanji, like that's my first thought, you know, like that in Chinese. And like a lot of things in dim sum, like naturally come to me first in Cantonese as well versus English. So I speak to my parents mostly in Chinese still now. It's interesting because I feel like when I'm with them, then I naturally like I don't have to think about it. I speak Chinese, mm-hmm. but with I'm with my friends, I feel like speaking Chinese would be weird. It's just like I'm on autopilot depending on the environment I'm in. I'm now I'm trying to think. Do I think in Chinese when I'm with around uh-huh. my parents? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, in some ways, it's like that code switching that people talk about, right? Like you're code switching between life with like your parents, which is mm-hmm. maybe like more Chinese focused, and then you act a different way with mm. your friends and when you you speak English and maybe you like downplay your Asian-ness in some ways. I mean, that's the point of this podcast, right? Like to talk about that like duality in our identity. Like, yeah, it's pretty unique, I think. Yeah, I think it's like the fact that you kind of like turn it on and off, like almost like a switch. It's it's very interesting. We all, I guess, experience that when we're like stuck in some ways between two cultures, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to end our episode with what we were trying before. We're going to talk about something that's been on our minds since the last time we talked. I was talking to Michelle about this earlier. I had a really intense day at work. I work in the healthcare sector. I just don't want to give away too, too much about what I do. I think we see super fucked up things in my job all the time, but because of like privacy concerns, we can't talk about it. I don't know. When you hear about like crazy office stories, you know, someone played a prank at work by the water cooler or in like the lunchroom or something like that. (laughs) But then I think about like the crazy, crazy stuff that happens at my work and it's like literal life and death sometimes. Like I can't talk about it, you know, it's like you just don't have an outlet. 
and it's a bit hard sometimes to go through like very sometimes emotional things but not be able to talk to family about it or like your significant other or even like close friends about it yeah I was just thinking Mm -hmm. about sometimes how insular like my job is it's so crazy because whenever um Winnie talks about well (laughs) when she can share as much as she can share with me about what's going on I'm just like holy crap I, my problems are so insignificant. Yeah, it definitely puts things into perspective. So do you want to share about what's been on your mind since the last time we talked? <laughs> okay, this is a little bit silly, but so I have a cat and I have a backyard <laughs> and my cat's an indoor cat. <laughs> we've been trying to train him to be an outdoor cat. Like, Wait, just, why? I, just... I thought you, I thought people didn't want to do that. I don't know, because he's very, he's a very anxious cat he's always been very terrified of going outside and so we've been like slowly training him and it's just so interesting to see his personality um when we tell him like oh you can go outside open the door and like try to push him outside he like avoids it but when we open the door and we don't do anything like we just leave it open he'll like naturally go towards the door and just like start wandering it's kind of like the tiger parent thing that we were talking about like Mm -hmm. when you don't push someone then they want to do the thing but when you try to push someone then they don't want to do the thing yeah it's like they just don't want to be told what to do right like exactly everyone wants the choice to make for themselves very representative of the tiger parent relationship that you were talking about oh maybe i'm a tiger mom (laughs) (laughs) you're a cat mom really Okay, well, I guess that was the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Bye. So that's the end of this episode. If you liked what you heard, please share it with a friend. And we want to hear from you. So tell us what you think by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. It helps support us and we appreciate the feedback. You can also find us on social media on Instagram as gen.asian. Or you can reach us directly via email at jen.asianpod at gmail.com. Again, that's jen.asianpod at gmail.com. Talk to you soon. Bye.